This is AJ Bingham, CEO of The Bingham Group. I want to give a personal thank you to the Lowy Law Firm for their podcast sponsorship. The Lowy Law Firm is the premier personal injury law firm in Austin, having recovered tens of millions of dollars for their clients since 2005. Now on with the show. Welcome to the BG Podcast, conversations at the intersection of business, community, and public policy from the Austin metro and around Texas. Today's episode is brought to you by the Lowy Law Firm, delivering top-notch customer service in the Austin area. You can find this episode and prior recordings at www.binghamgp.com podcast and on iTunes and Google Play. Hello, this is AJ Bingham, CEO of Bingham Group. Our guest today is Representative Diego Bernal, State Rep for House District 123 in San Antonio. Welcome to the show, Representative. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, I want to start just giving a little background and on, on you and the district, and then we can sure. go into our topic today, which is San Antonio's paid sick leave ordinance. And you know, just point back, you're our first elected official on the show. All right. I'm so, <laughs> thank you. You're the guinea pig. Yeah, and the reason we decided to step outside of Austin uh, today was... Uh, you know, Sam, you know, looking at this, the passage of this ordinance um, at the state level with the session only a few months away and the implications that um, actions the state can take on it that would affect Austin's past ordinance, um, your San Antonio's ordinance, and right. um, maybe potentially the one in Dallas. Mm-hmm. And, you know, more broadly, too, issues around local, local control. We right. see it that this is just one of many battlefronts around local control that affect every major or any city in Texas, but every major metro particular, which has been a continuing theme over multiple sessions that go go beyond your tenure on yeah. the state house. Right. So before we get to that, I want to hear some about your district and uh, and just about your background sure. and what led you to uh, the state the state chamber. Oh, uh, let's see. The, so the district, the House District 123, is the urban core of San Antonio. So uh, you know, put your finger on downtown, go a little bit north, just um, north of 410, all of Castle Hills, and then go south to about Highway 90. Uh, a little sliver of the east side and a decent chunk of the west side, and that's the that's the district. I'd argue it's one of the most economically diverse districts. Mm-hmm. I always tell people I've got downtown. I've got UTSA's downtown campus. Which I, is expanding, by the way. I read about that last right. week. That's right. A $200 million expansion. Yes. Um, I've got old areas in the west side. I've got one of the oldest housing projects in the entire country. I've got some historic neighborhoods, and I've got some mansions. So... Yeah, it's pretty much everything that the city has to offer exists in my district, which means that sometimes I feel like I've got to be the Swiss Army rep, mm-hmm. um, but that's all right. I like that. Well, good. And so what's your, what's your, what's your background? Are you from San Antonio? Yeah, so, so people care about this fact. I was born in McAllen. All right. Uh, my family's from, from Mexico. Which is South Texas for people who yeah. are from Texas. Right. So my, my, my dad is from Mexico as a farm worker. My mom is from the Bay Area. Uh, they settled in the valley in McAllen and then my mom and I moved here when I was three and I've been here ever since and I'm, I turned 42 in about a month so right. whatever that like people care about that detail right so no. so born in McAllen raised in San Antonio public schools uh, University of Michigan uh, undergrad my MSW and my JD at the same time came back and I was a Maldef attorney Real quick, MSW is Master of Social Work right. and JD is, law, is a law degree that's right that's right uh, so I was a Maldef attorney Mexican American Legal Defense Educational Fund uh, doing civil rights work school finance, voting rights, uh, representing day laborers and the like. Um, I did that for about seven years, and then I transitioned to city council where I was. And the city council district and the house district are very, very similar. There's probably 70% of the geography is the same. So I was on city council for about 
three and a half, almost four years, and then I came to the State House, which is where I am now. All right, and then so how 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 have you enjoyed that process? I mean, I like I like the issues. I the the issues in the legislature are more like the issues I was dealing with as a civil rights attorney, public education, higher ed, public health, um, housing. I like those issues. Not that I don't like city issues, Mm -hmm. um, but when this seat opened up, it was really about getting back to those core issues. The way I describe it is. At the city council level, for the most part, not always, but a lot of it, the, the issue we're talking about today notwithstanding, a lot of it is what happens outside your front door. And in the legislature, we're talking about the things that you probably discuss with your family while you're inside your house, right, at your kitchen table or in your living room. So I like I like the issues. Okay. I lose a lot more here, but I like the Fair issues. Fair enough. But, yeah. you, know, it's, uh, you know, some, right, I think, are looking to have a wave of things come and change in the next few years. We'll see how that yeah. plays out uh, yeah. in this next this, this cycle. So getting to a topic at hand, it's the paid sick leave ordinance. And right. I want to start by discussing San Antonio's, and, and we can expand out to what's, what could potentially be happening at the state house. Um, starting with pre-filing of bills in November, right. mm-hmm. but just want to get your thoughts on the ordinance and just give us a little color on uh, what the process has been, and and in contrast to Austin's, um, would be helpful. Sure. Well, the I, I don't want to get too in the weeds because I don't want this to be a lullaby for your listeners. But um, you know, paid sick leave in San Antonio was a there was a signature collection effort uh, that spanned the entire city. Uh, the the organizers then brought the signatures to the city council, which had a decision as to whether or not just to pass the ordinance outright or to allow them to go to a ballot measure. They passed the ordinance outright. Uh, one of the differences with Austin, I think one of the primary differences, is that even though the council passed it outright, it doesn't go into effect for a year. Uh, and for some other businesses, it's a little bit longer than that. So what that does is allows the city and business owners an opportunity to kind of get it right to calibrate and fine-tune the ordinance so when it finally does go into effect for a good number of them um, it it happens in a way that works for them mm-hmm. I don't think that anyone would ever argue that the ordinance as it's written right now is perfect um, no ordinance is mm-hmm. but we have the opportunity to run models and pretend like it's operating now so that if there's real issues that pop up the council has the chance to, to change it. Yeah, and that's you know in contrast to Austin's and so to where well, Austin's ordinance was supposed to go into effect on October first. Uh, as you may know, there is a currently a uh, temporary right. restraint on that. Yeah, um, we'll see how that's playing out in the courts. I know they met earlier this month on that. Um, but what do you just given given all of that? What do you think? There have been a number of bill or there are a number of comments from area reps in Austin already about wanting to uh, file bills to just knock this out. And right. as we talked about earlier with the battles of local, local control, as we've seen the last few sessions, um, you know, there's this, there's this balance of, um, of, of, of allowing cities some you know, measure of what they do and just to be able to regulate themselves. Right. Um, and, or there's been, I'm sorry, a trend in state, the state really dipping into to uh, what cities do right. when it goes against just maybe some of the ideology of the state. We saw that with rideshare. Right. Um, we, we, we tried that argument, though, right? Because I think that it's safe to say that the party in power now, um, and I only bring it up because it's true. I don't, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to necessarily bash anyone too much, although it might be unavoidable. But local control is always part of the calling card of the, of the Republican Party. And so to some degree, I think some cities were depending on that ideology, insulating them or inoculating them from 
the state over from state overreach so they felt more comfortable creating ordinances that um, regulated business uh, that created protections uh, that had some environmental measures in them and then all of a sudden in the last session everything inverted and the state was trying to eliminate cities ability to regulate themselves in the ways I just I just mentioned and so as Austin created their own uh, paid sick leave ordinance and Santa just done the same thing I think we can expect more of what happened last session mm-hmm. and then some because there's there's new issues but all of a sudden the state in my opinion the state is trying to to limit what cities can do to regulate themselves tremendously at a certain point you're going to be left with maybe budgets, bonds, utilities, and first responders. And then mm-hmm. that's it. Which On that a, note, too. Oh, sorry. No, I think, I think that's a fear that the city has, is that they're, they're going to... You're going to have very, very little left to do. Yeah. That's interesting. That, that, um, the idea of, especially, especially this next session, of a potential omnibus local control bill yeah. um, has come up previously in the show, and I was talking with Rob Henneke over at Council for Texas Public Policy Foundation, which is right. leading the lawsuit against the Austin, mm-hmm. um, the Austin uh, paid sick leave ordinance representing right. a number of statewide business associations. And so just w- we can jump ahead to that because, I, you know, it, there is a balance, in my opinion, my personal opinion, there is a, there's a balance between, you know, state, act, state interactions with the state, with cities and an omnibus bill covering every, or at least potential, right. um, and I'm not a legislator, every potential kind of avenue for local control. Um, I don't know how how well well that would uh, would, would would work in um, in practicality. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that that's a good point. I, I've always seen cities as sort of being laboratories for uh, legislation that might go statewide eventually. Cities are figuring out what it looks like to have and implement a variety of different measures that make sense for them, maybe make sense statewide, maybe don't, but uh, we need to give them the flexibility. I believe we need to give them the flexibility to do it. Um, the idea that any interest group wants to eliminate cities' abilities to sort of not only speak up and, and, and speak up for themselves and defend themselves, but it's also what gives them, to some degree, some character. Otherwise, you're just going to have these places that are almost similar because there's nothing that can distinguish them from one another. There's no local character, there's no local flavor, there's no local representation in a way that truly reflects the way people feel. What what we're missing from this conversation is that in both instances, San Antonio and Austin, the residents have spoken for themselves. Mm -hmm. They want this. So it's almost like the state saying whatever our political ideology is trumps the local wants, needs, and desires of the folks who live in that place. And that, I think, is very dangerous. And your district, again, we talked about earlier, represents a good, a good swath of the, bis- you know, the business district in, in San Antonio, yeah. your downtown San Antonio. Yeah. What was the, the, even though, and again, you have no sway over council or anything else, <laughs> I'm sure citizens were still reaching out to you, yeah. constituents were reaching out to you, yeah. um, just to, to let you know what they thought about it. And so what, just from your business constituents, what was the overall? I mean, just was it? What was the overall view of the, of the ordinance? It's mixed, mm-hmm. right? And I and I want to be honest about that. Some of the larger businesses, uh, especially ones that have presences throughout the state and, and the country, said we like it in spirit, but it's very hard to do it in, let's say, San Antonio and Austin, but not other places in Texas. So we wish it was a statewide thing, but that doesn't mean we want it to go away. 
Uh, and also the larger businesses, they all offer some sort of paid sick leave of their own. The smaller businesses, um, for the most part, they like it in spirit. They like it in theory. They want to know how it's going to work and how it's going to affect them before you get a full-throated um, support. So, but they, a lot of them would say things like, I've been thinking about how to do this. I wasn't sure how. I kind of like that someone's giving me a framework because this makes my life a lot easier. But I'll also say, again, in all fairness, that there are some businesses, um, especially the ones that are really small. Uh, I always use the Raspa stand lady. Which is what for people who Oh, Raspa, like a... From San Antonio. Yeah, like a snow cone. Okay. The snow cone cart uh, folks near the Alamo or or a food truck um, or a, let's say, a solo shop, a solo advocacy shop with Mm -hmm. one or two employees. They're saying, we're so small... How do we do that? How does it work? It's, it kind of eliminates some of our ability to to manage our employees the way we want to. These are very informal relationships that we have sometimes with our employees because it's a, it's a small operation. And in those instances, um, I believe the council can do more work. So one of the really beautiful things about this ordinance, one of the one of the main reasons I supported it, was they have a built-in mechanism where every six months the council can amend it and make it more responsive and, dy- and dynamic to things that they've learned and seen. The, the idea that they could do that before it goes into effect the first time, to me, means we should be using this time to figure out how it would work, how it would affect bi- businesses of all size, and then gather that information, look at it, analyze it, and make some changes if we need to. Personally, I think we do need to make some changes for very, 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 very small businesses. Um, but otherwise, I think we can wait and see. But my advice to the business owners in my district has been pretend like you have it now. Mm. Operate like you have it now. Let's talk again in six months and tell me what you see and what it would look like, what it would cost. Um, and they've all been really, really uh, sort of enthusiastic to do that. So I think I think that's a good process to test, you know, just giving people time to acclimate, test it out. Right. As you know, though, um, members of the, te- of the Austin delegation, um, the Senate and the House are I've always vocally said they're they're they will be filing bills to to, to kill the Austin ordinance and sure. by way of that knock out any city's ability to do this. Probably, probably. So yes, yeah. Just you know, within the San Antonio delegation, if you've talked to your colleagues about that on both sides of the aisle, just what because you know I think the thing is if if Austin might postulate a city the city of Austin had passed an ordinance similar to what San Antonio had and have that length of time to test it out, which would go pe- through the session, really. Yeah. Um, and then giving, particularly those small businesses, uh, a chance to test it out. Right. And this, is, as, a ca- or as, a, as a caption, I had no uh, stake in this battle at all, monetarily-wise, right. um, at the time it was passed. That Basically, just what do you what do you think that real odds are of being killed? Because it's not, because it's an Austin ordinance, and for those who are not from Texas and involved in politics, objectively, everyone will tell you this, um, the, the state legislature on the whole looks at Austin um, and doesn't really need a lot of motivation to go after uh, the city of Austin. Right, and they, just use, and they use the city of Austin as a stand-in for all the big cities. Yes. So they assume that whatever Austin is considering, it's likely that San Antonio, Houston, uh, Dallas and maybe some of the smaller but metro areas in the yeah. Valley and the Gulf Coast 
are doing the same thing. Well, I guess Noah's that way with paid sick leave, right? Austin started it and then right. referendum or ballot referendums were, were being proposed in Dallas right. and San Antonio at the time. Right. Uh, I, I think that, that you could argue that some of the payday loan regulations we saw a few years back, which was something I championed when I was on city council, uh, and non-discrimination ordinances, the, those are, are also examples of things that I think the legislature wants to get its hands around. Um, you know, I, I think that local control has to mean something, and we need to give cities the right to do this. Um, you know, we did something on rideshare last session, and I actually was was in the middle on that one. I, I was sort of uh, on the fence because because it involved transportation. It literally meant that the business itself was going between jurisdictions. Mm-hmm. That's why I was sort of not I didn't, my, my feelings on it weren't as strong. Because the business itself, like during the course of business, a customer was traveling between jurisdictions. Mm-hmm. To me, that's different than whether or not a city can create regulations for itself otherwise. Yeah, it made more sense. I think if I could deviate unscripted for one second or yeah. off the run of show, if, rather. If there's a script, no. <laughs> I, should, I should say run of show, not a script, a run of show. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so I see a lot of scooters um, in San Antonio. We have a lot of scooters in Austin. And, um, you know, there have been a lot of articles in the Austin papers uh, just about, you know, accidents and things going on there. And it seems to me that there is a, there may be a regulatory gray area about what the scooters, how they operate. I would predict, me personally, just being, you know, it's yeah. lobbyist that there's something that potentially, uh, you know, having some state regulations coming about scooter share or maybe even an omnibus bill that wraps, or omnibus bill that wraps in, um, just rock, mobility share in general because the prevalence, the pace of which these things come out. Yeah. Scooter share, there was no, this time last year, we weren't talking about scooters. And no. they're in every major I would have never predicted this. I no. remember when someone first told me about it before I saw it, I thought, what are you talking about? Scooters everywhere. But that's, that sounds so stupid to me. Yeah. That's so ridiculous. Have you read one yet? I have. Um, but but then I finally saw them and and, and I oh I get it now. But yeah. when someone's telling you about it, it just sounds, yeah. it sounds like you're turning this place into like Willy Wonka's spot, right? Mm-hmm. It just sounds ridiculous, but it, it makes a lot of sense. If that happens, I would I would predict that they would take the rideshare legislation and mm-hmm. find a way to add scooters to it yeah. somehow. Um, I don't know if that's a I don't know if that's a good or a bad idea. My I suspect that, that would be a bad idea only because every city is laid out differently, right? Mm-hmm. Not every city has a downtown like we do. Some cities are built around college campuses, uh, where where others aren't. Um, not every city has the same amount of uh, sidewalks, for example. I'm, I'm hesitant to, uh, I'm hesitant to take the city's ability away. I voted against the the rideshare bill. I didn't, I didn't like the final version of it, but I, I can kind of understand where folks are coming from only because, again, you can take a ride from one place to another mm-hmm. in in one sitting, and that changes things. So you can go from San Antonio to Castle Hills. Uh, to Alamo Heights, uh, and then and then you're outside to I don't know uh, another city on the outskirts, and you've literally gone through four completely different jurisdictions with different legislative uh, landscapes in one ride. Like in that way, I could make I could see the argument. Yeah. But otherwise, I think we need to preserve preserve cities' ability to govern themselves. Gotcha. I really do. Well, that that is definitely one um, I'm interested in seeing how that plays out because I know at least not locally in Austin just. I, I There's mean, a lot of... Uh, I, yeah, go ahead. I, well, I'm just wondering, 
because you know what happens is a lot of for a lot of people in the legislature who don't live in, in urban centers, mm-hmm. a, a lot of these issues are completely foreign to them. Yeah, right. Rideshare was a completely foreign issue to a lot of folks, and so if they might feel the way I felt a, a while back, saying, "What are you talking about, scooters? How is this an issue?" Well, they're going to see them from January. Yeah, I mean, they're going to be all over the place. Especially, about, I mean, they're, they're already around the, around the. They're around the Capitol and right. the Capitol grounds. Well, what was interesting about that dynamic, I know we're way, way off the run of show, right? But what's really interesting about the rideshare dynamic, and I think will also be interesting about the scooter dynamic, is that all the staff, the young staff, mm-hmm. they all use it. Mm-hmm. So in some ways, you might see something more nuanced because you've got people in every office who use the service. Yeah, well, I have colleagues that use it, and I imagine, you know, if, if you're working downtown, like 9, 916 Congress, taking a scooter up to the Capitol steps versus walking over there um, on a hot day. Hot day. That's really what it's about. Yeah, I really do that. That's really what it's about. So I live, <laughs> I live um, if people know San Antonio, I live about three or four blocks away from San Pedro Park, which mm-hmm. is across the street from SAC. I live behind the Cove. Mm-hmm. Um, and San, I do not know where those and are. And Sancho's if you're a drinker, right? I live by Sancho's in the Cove. And... Um, San Pedro Park is a park that's surrounded by sidewalk. So my wife and I will take the, the baby for a walk around the park, and then I'll see a scooter, and I'll just take it and zip around the park a couple times just for fun. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. I have yet to try one. I think I'll, uh, I, live in a, I live in a neighborhood in Austin that's fairly contained, bike, you know, blocked bike lanes or anything else. So uh, right. it's built for – it's really optimized for that kind of intra – Community mobility, but yeah. downtown, I have, I have no desire to show up at a meeting. It, personally, I have too many friends that have uh, just fallen off and everything else, and those things will happen. I think it's I hard to ride when you're on a sidewalk with other people. There's something about yeah. that that I mean, no one can. I certainly can't maneuver that well. No, and then you you add in um, potential inebriation and those kind of things. And, yeah, wow. or just people not looking where they're going, but yeah, on yeah. their phones or otherwise, and a lot of things. And that's so my my view of that was. I know, and you know, if we're we, we're planning on um, speaking again with some folks at ATD Austin Transportation Department about, yeah. you know, who are over overall mobility, what their thoughts are on it. But just my my lobby sense tells me, hey, this seems to be these are pop, the pace which these popped up. I and and also given that a lot of the comp, a lot of the folks who worked at work at these companies, they came from you know the the ride share battles, right? right? The same. This sure. is kind of this move around in the same well, space. Well, some of the rideshare companies own the scooter companies. There's that too. And so right. I think there's a vested interest, mm-hmm. again, not having, representing one of those companies. In my mind, you know, overall, the it's, you want control of the platform. It's not so much about where scooters or hoverboards or maybe in the future. Right. It's, I want you to go to my platform to look at any kind of thing you want. Ultimately, right? It could be you know, Amazon or anything else. And right. that's the battle, I think, with any bill that may come out. I would imagine it's because you want to get it beyond beyond it being about wheels or anything else. It's the overall idea of transit, and that's gonna you know that'll evolve. The way it's evolved, you know, from time we were in college or law school, right, to now has changed. And it's every and by the time so your daughter different. is tw- twenty, right, you know, Lord knows what will be flying flying around. Yeah. But the platform will look the same. How you get a, you know, and once it's autonomous. All these things, like scooters will never be autonomous. Well, like, I'm never going to say scooters will never be autonomous. Well, they'll be, they'll, be, they'll be autonomous vehicles for hire. Yes. For sure. Yeah, yeah. When pods are flying around or right. else, right? It's just right. how or, do you want to do it. Overall teleporting. Yeah, fair enough. But, it's, but it's, someone's controlling that that network. Right. And that's the goal. So. so I think transportation is an interesting issue when it comes to local control. But for the most part, you know, do I think that you should have the exact same regulations for College Station for scooters as you do 
for downtown San Antonio? I'm not sure, right? And I think that because those places are different enough, maybe we see what that looks like before we just take it all away. Mm-hmm. I also believe that... So maybe like an interim, an interim charge? It, it could also... Interim charge is a good idea. It also could be clunky. In other words, there's not always a one-size-fits-all um, piece of legislation. And it, I think it's better to err on cities' ability to calibrate things for themselves than just to take it all away. There's a slippery slope there, too. The more that cities cede control or ask the state to, uh, to, to pass things that sort of take away their decision-making powers, the more the state can do it on things, the more likely it is the state will do it on things that the cities don't want them to touch. Mm-hmm. Right? Pandora's box. I agree. Exactly. I and agree. I, and I, think you're gonna, I think to some degree you will see that with scooters. You might even see it uh, on paid sick leave where, yeah. where cities or organizations within cities like Chambers go to Austin and say, we'd like you uh, to, at a, at a minimum, relieve us of this problem. But once you do that, they'll say, well, we'll, happy, we'll happily relieve you of this problem while we're at it. Let's go to second, third, fourth, fifth, all the way down the list and mm-hmm. take all those things away too. Yeah, It's dangerous, I think. No, it's definitely a slippery slope. Um, this talk and some of my colleagues who you know, are in that business space that, and a lot of them don't want to have to go to the state for things, right? I think it's just, you know, some, within the industry it can be a thing of, well, we really need this and we're not getting it here. And we know most of us should know if we go to, if we go there, you know, we, we get that deal, but we're getting a lot of yeah. strings attached to it. So yeah. is it worth it for some folks? It is, and if, you know, that's just the, the, well, the, the bargain you make. I've had that conversation with people locally where they'll say, "We are going to go to the state and ask the state to preempt us on paid sick leave." I said, "Be careful what you ask for. First of all, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Right. Second, I'll fight you." Yes, we're friendly, but I will fight you on this issue because I don't think that's a good idea. But third, you should be prepared for the state to then say, "Okay, game on," and now it's all up for grabs. Mm-hmm. Just keep the door closed because once you opened it, yeah. who knows what's going to happen? Yeah. Representative, uh, one last question, sure. generally. What? what? I, I'm sure all your listeners are asleep now <laughs> because of me. No, I'm I think sorry. the spirits broke them up. But what? What? Uh, what was your path? Not your path, but what? What just made you want to be elected official? You know, I, I, when I was a civil rights attorney, I felt like I had a tremendous amount of purpose. I really believed in the work that I was doing. I, I really cared about the people I was working on behalf of. And I could measure, not always very well, but I could measure whether or not I was effective, which matters to me. Um, the symbolic gesture of what you're doing wears off very quickly. And so... Uh, my dad, who was in the valley, got sick, and so I had to quit to go take care of him for a while. So when I came back, this was in 2010 when the economy was just in the pits. Mm-hmm. So I was looking for a way to do more good work. Uh, yeah, I was a lawyer, but I didn't want to do custody or family law, and I wasn't interested in commercial litigation. So I was looking for an avenue to continue to do what I call good work. and. My, the city council seat was open because my my councilwoman was termed out. So I look at politics or elected office as a way, as a vehicle to do good work. Um, when I discover or realize that there's another way to be just as effective or impactful that's not an elected office, then I'll do that. Um, this is a vehicle 
for me to do work that I think helps people and matters. Uh, but the, the office itself, the elected part of it, is sort of secondary to me versus the um, why I do it and who it's for. Gotcha. You know what I mean? I do. I do. I, oh, I, I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not I mean, I, I mean, look, I, I like being here. And, you know, if someone challenged me, I'd fight to keep the seat. But it's because I believe the seat can be used to do good work. The moment that you start, the moment that you're in this position or any position like it, and you start to identify with it as it's your identity is the moment you start to make decisions just to stay there, mm-hmm. which often are not the decisions you make to help people. So I almost have a healthy a healthy distance between me and the seat. The seat's a vehicle. I see it that way. Um, and I try to get people to understand that so they help me find ways to help them. Right? Gotcha. Well, Representative, thank you for your time. Yeah, I'll let you get back to the, the business of... Uh... Your business, um, and thank you for being the show. We'd love to have you back on, uh, yeah. perhaps during session when you're in Austin. If people are awake. Right. <laughs> thank you for listening to today's BG podcast. You can find this episode and prior recordings at www.binghamgp.com podcast and iTunes and Google Play. Subscribe to stay current on future posts. Thank you to our sponsor, The Lowy Law Firm. You can find more information about them in the show notes.